Hi, I'm Sean. And I'm Thomas. And this is the Sean and Thomas Show. Hey everybody, Sean here, co-founder of the Chicago-based software development agency DevScale. This is episode number two of our new series called Founder Spotlight. On today's show, we have one of our good friends, Dave DeCasola. This is a really special show for Thomas and I because Dave was one of the first people that we actually reached out to to network with when we moved here. Dave is an alumni of the same university that Thomas and I went to, Miami University in Ohio, and he's working on a really exciting, really awesome new company here called Half Day CBD. Half Day is a Chicago-based CBD company that gets all of their CBD from hemp that's grown in Kentucky. This is a really, really awesome new industry that Thomas and I really don't know much about, so this was super educational for us, and I know it'll be really educational for you guys. We get into a lot of the chemistry behind what CBD is and how you extract it and the chemistry involved in it and the whole supply chain that Dave's built. It's its really, really fascinating. You guys are going to love this, so enjoy. Dave, it's uh, really exciting for Thomas and I to catch up with you. It's been way too long. Why don't you start off just by telling us who you are and what Half Day is? Yeah, my name is Dave DeCostola and Half Day CBD is a new Chicago-based CBD company uh, that gets all of their CBD from hemp that's grown in Kentucky, and it's 100% uh, designed for helping people with any sort of, uh, you know, conditions related to anxiety, pain, or sleep. Awesome. There's, uh, Thomas and I don't know much about this this industry, so this will be fun for us to dig into it. Can you kind of explain the difference between THC, CBD, cannabis, and hemp, and how all of that plays in with each other? Yeah. Well, let's start with the plant, right? So you have the two, you have, uh, you said uh, cannabis and hemp. So cannabis is like a genus of plant Mm -hmm. and uh, a species of plant is hemp, right? So you see this a lot when if you've you've ever been to a dispensary, if you're ever, um, even if you've heard about it, like there's all these kind of like crazy names, right? So you hear about like OG Kush and like Purple Rain and like all these kind of crazy things that mean nothing to you, the the person unless you're like really into it and uh mm-hmm. but what that also is describing is different uh, species of the plant right so the plant is bred and in all these different ways and the 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 plant itself is cannabis but it will have different levels of thc or have different levels of cbd within the plant itself now with cbd um, it is a cannabinoid which so is thc and they are ingredients inside a cannabis plant now, a cannabis, uh, what's interesting about the CBD is that, you know, a lot of the medicinal benefits you talk about from using marijuana um, is all kind of wrapped up in the CBD itself. Um, it has a, a non-intoxicating um, effect, right? So you don't get high. There's no sort of, mm-hmm. uh, you know, state of euphoria or anything that happens to you that helps you from being unfocused or kind of, you know, unaware of what's going on. Um, a lot of people, you know, that talk about this, they're, you know, kind of uh, fearful of the feelings that they get um, from using cannabis. And mm-hmm. the reason why hemp has been kind of deemed this kind of new label for this cannabis plant is because um, you can now grow it legally uh, at, underneath the Department of Agriculture in, I can't remember how many states right now, it's like more than 15 or 20 states. 
what it is is uh, it's a species of cannabis that doesn't have any THC in it. Okay. Or if gotcha. it does, it's like such a minute amount. I mean, it, like we're talking like thousands of a degree less than what you would expect in a normal, like let's say marijuana plant. Mm-hmm. And because hemp is something that has actually been grown for thousands of years, it's actually, you know, back in like the 1930s and the 1940s, um, hemp was grown for the war effort, right? Like mm-hmm. this was like, this is what created all of our, all of our like textiles. I mean, right now, most of our clothes are made with plastic, right? They're made yeah. with polyester. They're made with a combination of cotton and polyester. Well, a long time ago, you know, hemp, hemp and the hemp stalks were used for these types of things. And there's also 25,000 other products it could be used for. It's used in construction materials. It's used for filler in uh, different things. And mm-hmm. I don't know, it's just like more versatile than plastic and it can be grown in the ground. Uh, in a very easy way with no pesticides. So what's really yeah. great about yeah. hemp is that there's no organic. Yeah, it's totally organic. There's you know you don't there's no like natural uh, enemies to it, and even like bugs don't really eat it. it so it just kind of grows in a really hardy way, and it really is a, a game changer for agriculture, right? So right now there's a lot going on in in the world of agriculture with uh, tariffs and things like that, but. Um, you know, a farmer really doesn't make a, a ton of money with selling corn and, and soybeans um, on yeah. a per acre basis. I mean, we're talking about a few hundred bucks per acre. If you think about it, you know, you sell, wow. you know, and you have to grow thousands mm-hmm. of acres in order for it to like really make sense. Um, but to grow that much, you need multi-million dollar machines to do that, to handle all that. So, you know, hemp is coming back uh, in a big way. Farmers are taking to it. They enjoy growing it. Um, it's really easy. It doesn't, it's all natural. It doesn't require pesticides. And, you know, about 80% of hemp that's being grown right now is being used for CBD. Um, the flower kind of gets pulled off, it gets extracted, and then it turns into the CBD, uh, that gets put into products. Hmm. So the CBD comes from the flower itself, not necessarily the whole plant. Correct. Cool. So then the plant could be used for all those other 25,000 other products. Yeah. Yeah, a good uh, hemp farm will be able to separate the the flower from the stalk, mm-hmm. and they'll be able to have mixed uses for it. So, how much how much more valuable is then for a farmer to have a hemp farm versus a corn or soybean kind of farm? If it was like you make a couple hundred dollars here per acre, how much you make on the other side? So, a hemp farm can make anywhere from twenty five hundred to five thousand bucks per acre. Oh. So it's a little bit more than the traditional. A little bit more. Yeah. That's crazy. Right. To a farmer, they're like, get out of here. No way. And then they meet a guy like me who's willing to buy their crop. And they, it's the it's like unheard of. Yeah. And then when I put it into a bottle and sell it through, I mean, it, you know, it, it's absolutely, you know, everybody wins in this scenario. And, you know, it's it's uh, the heartland of, of, you know, the, of the United States. You know, mm-hmm. this is a this is a really, really big win. And that's why there's so much momentum behind it, right? That's why um, the 2018 Farm Bill was such a game changer for this industry. And that's why you're seeing CBD kind of popping up everywhere. And it's become, it's almost mainstream at this point. Um, Mm -hmm. It's part of the mainstream because there's so much of it now being grown out in the countryside. There's really great farmers that are adding this to their crop rotation. And by adding it to their crop rotation, they're getting a big lift economically, and it's also servicing the demand of this massive market of people who are using it for, you know, very, very 
important aspects of their life. Can you talk about that farm bill? Uh, I'm not sure I know the specifics. What was the kind of the punchline there? Yeah, so the 2018 farm bill, uh, or to kind of go back, a farm bill is, is done every four years, right? So the last one before this was 2014. And then in 2018, um, you know, it, it got passed again. And it's a very big document, right? So it, it applies to all farming. Like it, there's stuff mm-hmm. in there about irrigation. There's stuff in there about how food subs- food stamp subsidies are going to work for people, right? So it's very comprehensive. Um, in the past, stuff like hemp and marijuana were never really addressed, right? Like it just wasn't yeah. listed in the farm bill. Uh, it was in 2014. It, there was this little section that said if a state created a, a research program, then you were allowed to do it. And you could mm-hmm. sell all the derivatives of this hemp plant as long gotcha. as the THC was below 0.3%. Mm-hmm. And so this 0.3% became this kind of magic number that everyone kind of associated with. What ended up happening was in 2018, um, because there was so much success in growing hemp in states all over the country, they decided to take hemp and the derivatives of hemp off the controlled substances list, cool. actually give it a full definition and, and give it a lane for it to go into uh, in that bill. In that bill, to kind of then create a regulatory framework uh, to make CBD widely available, um, not gotcha. only for um, you know dietary supplements and things, but also mm-hmm. for pharmaceutical companies as well. It even went as far as defining it as different than marijuana. Right, mm-hmm. which before it never was. Before it was all treated as the same thing. The DEA didn't know how to enforce it. So even like hemp farmers were sitting there and if they were transporting their stuff from one place to the other and they got pulled over, they'd have to explain <laughs> where all of this stuff came from and they'd have to have a really detailed amount of uh, paperwork and, and they would have to like, like loop in the Department of Agriculture. And that's where getting it to different other states and everything became a really big deal. And that's what uh, the whole thing is um, still kind of being formed. Why Why was it? So you said that it was very widely used in the war efforts and kind of in years past. What was the change then? Was it just being consumed differently back then? Or did they, they just say like, no, no, we're not going to do this anymore? You know, I don't know. If you go on the internet and try to figure it out, it's uh, there's a lot of weird stories and a lot of weird conspiracy theories. Uh, there's everything from like, this was like something that the oil industry did in order to allow for the growth of plastics, maybe, (laughs) maybe, uh, potential, but also it kind of came at a time when, uh, there was a focus on, uh, you know, making sure marijuana was, uh, you know, eliminated from the usage of people. So, you know, if you look at the two plants, they're both, like I said, they're both from the genus of, Mm -hmm cannabis but they're different strains and so if you watch them grow side by side it's identical hmm. there's nothing mm-hmm. you can't tell the difference so i could see why it'd be confusing if you're going to outlaw one why you would allow the other because then you just have a bunch mm-hmm. of people pointing at it saying like hey no that's hemp and you know there's no way to like really like control it so i think because they couldn't control it then it was a more widespread thing but i don't know there's a lot of different opinions on that subject it'll it'll definitely uh you can have a long conversations about that one. <laughs> so Dave, you, you've had a pretty successful sales career and growing and managing sales teams. Talk to us about the, 
the switch into the CBD industry and why you decided to jump ship from um, your your previous sales career? Yeah, I mean, for me, it's uh, you know I've been doing technology sales and selling software, and it was definitely like a repeatable thing, right? It was very you know, there's like a, a, a script, there's something that you would like as a sales process, it's, it's very straightforward. Um, and when I came across this, I don't know, it just piqued my my curiosity. And it is definitely still something that requires sales processes. I mean, you know, because my efforts are to not only sell this online, but also to sell it um, in retail, uh, and also amongst like groups of people, right? So um, I know like we personally are connected to people that are starting to promote this product in different ways. And I don't know, it's just, uh, it's all fascinating. You know, I think as CBD as a business or as an ingredient should be more widely available. I think it's very helpful for people. And I've always wanted to help people and help people, especially with health and wellness. Um, initially, I started working in healthcare. Uh, and that was my goal, right, is to find a way to like, get people healthier. And this is definitely one of them. Uh, with the most natural process possible, you know, overall, I think uh, it's a huge market opportunity. I mean, you know, uh, if this is a business podcast, you can't deny that this is a birth of a new industry, right? Everyone who's Mm -hmm. doing it is a pioneer. Everyone who's doing it is an entrepreneur. It's really exciting to be at a hemp conference because everybody is doing it for the first time. (laughs) There's nobody with like, no one really has an advantage. It's, It's very, it's an even playing field. It's about how hard you work, and I think this stuff uh, is, um, you know, something I believe in, and that's all I need. I need to believe in what I'm selling. I need a, a growing, fast-growing market, and I need a product that is high quality that people love, right? And, yeah, you know, you can you can outwork and outsell everyone else. Yeah, I mean, it's the fundamentals are there, right? Um, whether it's technology or or this, I mean, it checks all my boxes for how to have a, a sales you know, career or how to have a a successful sales process um, that goes with it. Uh, Sean and I have asked to hear your story multiple times uh, and I love it. Why don't we go through your story of like how you got to where you are today? Yeah, sure. I'll try to start from graduating and then kind of go from there. I mean, I don't know. I've always been kind of in these uh, unique businesses or I like unique business models. And so I start to like really get involved in them. Um, and this was even before startups were super prevalent. Uh, but, you know, to kind of go through it somewhat quickly, uh, my first job ever was uh, as an industrial plastics broker. Uh, so I would call up manufacturing facilities, try to buy their recycled plastic and all their scraps. And then I would turn around and I would sell it to either another manufacturer who could utilize that same material or to like a Chinese uh, company that will just uh, melt it down and reformulate it out in China. You know, that was a crazy business because I was buying truckloads of plastic and doing it all over the phone and moving this is it your from first one job place too. To, yeah, it was my very, like one of my first jobs. And then when I was doing that, um, you know, I was working from home and I didn't like working from home or in a, like a solitary fashion. Uh, the company was based in Ohio. So I was pretty much kind of, you know, the only person in Chicago. And so I wanted to find something else I can do during the day that can kind of get me out and about. And I ended up seeing a little link on the Google Maps that said, hey, apply here if you want to join the Google Maps team. So I said, okay, sure. <laughs> I filled out that application. Uh, I got a phone call. It was a brief phone call. After that, they gave me a login and a portal and the ability to edit Google Maps in my <laughs> local area. <laughs> and so I was, a, I was a cartographer at that point. 
and what I was doing was going around from business to business, selling and promoting Google AdWords for small businesses. But then I would also take a picture of the outside and then upload it onto uh, the Google platform, right? So mm-hmm. I would do that. I would ride my bike around town and I would get 10 bucks for each one of these I did. And so my whole thing was like, all right, in one hour, how many of these could I do? And I would, you know, not, I would, with my digital camera, I would go around like taking pictures and stuff. And, mm-hmm. uh, that's when, you know, at that point I was working for Google and it was like, I was a Google contractor and I also had this weird industrial plastics background. And, you know, then it started to get really cold outside and I didn't want to, I wanted to, <laughs> wanted to go inside. And that's when I found cars.com. Um, it was mm-hmm. a, online auto uh, site or online automotive advertising, which was sort of mm-hmm. a novel idea at that time. Um, and the business was rapidly growing. I think when I started, you're working with, you know, like three or 4,000 dealers. And when I, you know, at one by the time after like being there for two years, they were working with more than like 25,000 dealers. So mm-hmm. wow. rapid scale, rapid growth. And that was my first time I was in a, like a high growth scenario. And then from there, I kind of bounced around from, sales to products to business development to corporate strategy and what what year is this about uh oh man it was like from 2009 to 2014 because in my first year is when the economy collapsed mm-hmm. that, yep. that, that was no fun that was no fun for anybody <laughs> there was a day there was a day when we were sitting at cars.com and there was a fax that we were waiting for uh uh-huh. that had a list of more than 400 dealerships that were a Chrysler dealerships that were closing that day. And the way, wow. and the way that you, uh, you know, this was back in like when things were really, really bad. And, uh, back in the day, if your dealership canceled, it would go against your commission plan. Oh, and wow. so if you had, you know, if your name was on this list and I ended up having like over like 12 of my customers on this list, And because cars.com was also trying to protect their cash, uh, you know, I ended up having to essentially eat the loss of those businesses. But like that happened across the entire sales floor. I mean, there was like 50 salespeople and we all had, some people had 10, some people had 20, you know, it was just kind of a a weird time. We were able, I, you know, was able to keep my job and, uh, you know, still sell, you know, the whole thing was as soon as people were um, starting to lose, um, you know, you know, dealerships are closing. Everything's changing. There's so much happening. Now is not the time to start advertising, like doubling down in the newspaper. Now is the time to find cost-efficient ways because people are going to be price hunting. People are still going to buy cars. You need to make sure you're there to get them. And that was my sales pitch, and it worked. You know, you can get dealers to not give up cars.com, but give up everything else. Mm. Um, because if nice. they did, you know, they can't to stop advertising. They have to continue to yeah. promote their products. And we were the most cost-efficient uh, way you could do that in, a, mm-hmm. in the time when the internet was was growing really quickly. So after the cars.com, you said you went into a few leadership roles and, and a couple of different industries. When were you first introduced to CBD? Like what was the, the change or the, like the kind of the aha moment of maybe you thought there'd be a business here? Uh, so my brother-in-law, uh, lives out in Oregon and, uh, for the longest time, um, he was growing, um, marijuana like legally, right? So out in Oregon, I mean, they're way ahead, right? Like they definitely have, um, you know, they've had that market for a long time. Um, but what happened was his, uh, you know, in the, in a lot of ways, um, 
they gave out too many licenses to people, right? So in Oregon, you could grow marijuana for 40 bucks and like a driver's license. And like you, you too could be a grower. And it, it was weird, but there was so much growing at that time that a million excess pounds was created in the market and it crashed wow. the price. So the price used to be $4,000 per pound and it went down to $500 per pound. Wow. And if you grew, I mean, you had enough fixed costs just in like all the equipment and all the stuff that you had going um, that you end up losing money in that scenario. And mm. so that's when my brother-in-law said, look, I'm, I, I need to do something different. I've heard this CBD thing is, is growing quickly. At least it is in California and Oregon. I'm going to start, I'm going to switch over to hemp and I'm going to start growing that. And so that's when I, he sent me some samples and of like things he was using, um, hemp wise. And it worked for me and I'm getting the best night of sleep. I think I've like ever had. And it was, <laughs> it was awesome. And so I was like, man, this stuff is great. Like where do they sell this in the Midwest? And Kentucky was the only place that they do that. Do you have any business partners? Is your brother-in-law a business partner in this or no? Uh, not exactly. Um, he has his own okay. separate, uh, business, um, he services uh, large brands and helps them kind of, you know, utilize uh, CBD. Um, there's a lot of like beverage companies and cosmetics companies that are starting to get into it. And he's like sort of an advisor mm-hmm. to them. Me, I decided to take it a step further and actually create my own brand. And that's when he, um, you know, we kind of went a different path. But I partnered up in my newest one, uh, this half day CBD um, with my other brother-in-law. So on my, oh. on my wife's side. So it's a family business, guys. It's, uh, mm-hmm. this, is what, this is what we're doing now. I love it. What's it like being in a market and being in an industry that is, it still clearly has inefficiencies? It's, it's kind of like the Wild West. I mean, that's so where the opportunity is, is right? Mm-hmm. The, more, the more inefficient a market is, the more opportunities there are. And the upside is, you know, can be a lot higher. Um, efficient markets have low margins, right? So the idea is that there's still the ability to, to earn margin and there's still the ability to, to find your place and find your niche within uh, the, the industry. And, you know, it's just a matter of, you know, what it takes to, you know, deal with a dynamic business environment, mm-hmm. right? If you're not able to kind of adapt quickly, then yeah, this thing's going to kill you. So tell us about the different product lines you have and how you decided to create those specific products. The kind of core of a CBD product line uh, is the oil that you use, right? So Mm -hmm. um, oil in itself is very medicinal. It actually has a lot of uh, properties that can kind of help um, with like the relief and the calm and, you know, just essentially taking your nervous system and really kind of like balancing it out and really just like creating calm. Then from there, you know, that oil um, and that product can be used to be put into edibles and lotions, right? So oil-based lotions and oil-based balms are very common. You see them Mm -hmm. all the time. And so it's just a natural next extension. And then edibles are cool just because, you know, the stuff can be added and it's very easy to to add. Um, Mm -hmm. And yeah, it's just... uh, I think any like, you know major CBD brand right now is going to have those three things. Um, those are the easiest to execute. Those are each one kind of has its own demographic of people that are very interested in it, 
And they also serve different purposes, right? So you could take oil every day as like a very much like a, like a, like a therapeutic dietary supplement. Uh, but then you could also take cream. You can use it for, you know, extreme pain, right? So if you have inflammation or any sort of, you know, uh, nagging pain, man, it's, it's amazing what it does. It, it can, mm-hmm. it's an anti-inflammatory. So as soon as you apply it, mm. um, it'll start working. And people are always shocked by how effective it is, but it's, it's way easier and it doesn't create any sort of um, negative side effects. Are there any side effects if you use too much? Uh, you'll get sleepy. I mean, you'll get pretty <laughs> tired. Hence uh, half day, right? <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. The, the name itself has a few different meanings. But uh, yeah, the idea would be, you know, if you took too much of it, um, you know, you wouldn't really have any sort of, you know, extreme effect you know, extreme things happen to you. Um, mm-hmm. but it does, I mean, it, it, the more you take the, the sleepier you'll get, um, it's a great sleep aid for that reason. Um, but you know, within limits, like one dropper is enough, <laughs> like you don't yeah. need a whole bottle, right? Like the, in order to get mm-hmm. the same effect. And what happens too is after you take a certain amount of it, like it, you don't get any additional benefit by taking more, right? Mm-hmm. There's just your body kind of can only metabolize so much at one time. Yeah, for sure. My uh, my girlfriend and I walked into one of the CBD stores um, in Chicago, um, maybe like at the end of the summer, I think even. We walk in there knowing nothing about this stuff and we're asking all the questions and we're like, what would a beginner use? Like we don't know anything. And they had these um, caramel like rec- like cubes um, infused with CBD oil. So we bought two of the, it was the most expensive caramel I've ever bought in my life. It was like a $3 piece of candy or something. <laughs> um, but yeah, it was, I mean, yeah, I, it, you don't like feel crazy different, but yeah, you just like you relax and you sleep a lot better. Yeah. I think people take CBD expecting to like chase a feeling, right. Of, of yeah. euphoria or like a buzz mm-hmm. of some kind, but it's, it's almost opposite of that, right? So it's almost something that kind of takes a lot of like the tension, a lot of like the weird kind of feelings out of your body. So it's kind yeah, of like the absence. That's what, so I, when I was reading, that was what what stuck out to me is it's not what you feel, it's what you're not feeling. Right. You know, is CBD for everybody? Mm-hmm. I don't know. I mean, it's, it's worth a try. It, you know, for, people use it for different scenarios. Sometimes, you know, some days you're more anxious than others or sometimes you just need a really good night's sleep, right? But, um, you know, for people that deal with anxiety on a regular basis and are treating it with, um, you know, narcotics or pharmaceuticals, Mm -hmm. man, this is a game changer. Uh, This will 100% -hmm. change the way you feel. And it is not a placebo effect. Like it's it's doing something to your nervous system. And it's the same reason why it's now become Mm -hmm. an FDA approved medication uh, for mm-hmm. treating things like epilepsy, right? Yeah, like mm-hmm. it's because it, it it does do something. It, it's interacting with what's called the endocannabinoid system in your body, which is a essentially a neural pathway, right? Mm-hmm. So these neuron, you know, these um, neuron receptors mm-hmm. in your body are kind of looking for this kind of stuff, and once it finds it, it's such a it's such a great balance and such a really nice um, a nice way to to calm down. So it must be pretty exciting being being in this industry. That's awesome. Yeah, I mean, it's like everywhere you turn, it's like who's, like who's gonna who's gonna take a spot or who's gonna fill this place? And I want to be that Chicago brand, right? I'm born in yeah, Chicago. Yeah. I've lived in Chicago. This is like what I do, right? Chicago is my city, my my home, and and I love Chicago. And 
I want to be able to, you know, in the same way that like a Goose Island or a another company uh, kind of, you know, owned the, the Chicago roots of mm-hmm. their business and then built a business that created jobs and created opportunities in the city. I want to do that for mm-hmm. CBD. I think there's room for brands to do that. Right now that exists out in maybe Oregon or California, but there should be something that's homegrown. And then as soon as it's grown in Illinois, I'll find a way to partner with Illinois farmers and it'll truly be a Chicago, um, Illinois uh, business um, through and through. That's just, you know, that's important to me. And I think that's also just a key differentiator of my company and partnerships and the relationships I'm building um, as I grow. So you're, you're only a few months old. What's on the roadmap for like the next 12 months? Like, what do you want to do by 2020 or 2021? Yeah. I mean, for me, it's uh, product development's really important. I think developing more products and getting past just oil, right. And creating mm-hmm. new, exciting things, new ways to take it different price points. Uh, I want to try to make it more affordable. Um, the more volume I can do, the more affordable I can make the product. And then from there, I want to, um, you know, have not only a, uh, like a web, like direct to consumer channel, uh, but I want to start getting into stores and you'll start seeing my product, um, available, like near the counters of, of different, uh, different stores or pharmacies or CBD stores or, you know, mm-hmm. vape shops, uh, you know, uh, chiropractors, pet shops. I mean, it, it kind of fits in everywhere. So I'm going to continue to find more and more distribution and mm-hmm. do it with, uh, do it with a great team of people making really, really great product. How are you starting your distribution? Are you, are you going direct to consumer online right now? Or what's kind of your, your process for, for just starting out and then growing? Yeah, I mean, um, half day CBD, at least I, I know I can control that, right? That is something I can do every day. I can, you know, you, know, you can't buy Google or Facebook ads at this point. Uh, so that definitely takes all of the typical e-commerce growth engine tricks yeah. kind of out of your bag. Uh, and you have to grow it in a more organic way. Um, and you mm-hmm. have to utilize content and SEO a lot more to do that. So that's what it, it's a slower growth, right? It's just about adding content, adding value, continuing to like yeah. make the make the site more of a destination um, and doing that every day. And then it's about building relationships and actually going in and, and giving out samples and you know, meeting with uh, people that are using CBD or, or taking CBD and um, trying to turn them into a, an ambassador, an advocate, or a retailer. Mm-hmm. That must be super frustrating not being able to buy Facebook or Google ads because that just takes out that that <laughs> that channel yeah. automatically. It's I crazy. Mean, digitally, it's really, there's, you know, there's really no way to do it except the old-fashioned way right it's, yeah well you're left with influencers i guess you could you could definitely pay pay like local influencers to to promote the products do you do any of that yet or no yeah yeah no yeah. i uh right now I'm, I'm working mostly with micro influencers where i give them a, a free cool. sample and they they post about it and uh, i i ask them to give their honest feedback and you know like how did it work for them and explain that mm-hmm. and uh that seems to be working really well and i my, you know, social channels are growing really quickly. Like my Instagram is growing like by like a few hundred people a day. Uh, okay. So it's, it's working, right? But I think, it, you know, I don't see it as a, a negative uh, for Facebook, the Facebook and Google thing. I see it as a, as a positive. Um, it's a challenge. It's a challenge. 
but it also is forcing it's a forcing function to creating a really really great business like a business yeah. that people want to talk about a word of mouth growth you know there's a lot of big brands out there that can buy their way to market share using mm-hmm. Facebook and Google ads and you just can't do that here and so you have to be authentic you have to be educational you have to really do it the right way and uh, there's no there's no ad that's going to block you out mm-hmm. at least not yet um, I'm sure one day it will uh, there'll be some sort of framework for it but for now it's yeah it's just about creating a, a great product that people want to talk about and are you doing all this? Do you have anybody on your team helping, or is it just you that's that's doing everything right now? Well, it's my brother-in-law and I are very much, uh, you know, in the involved in the day to day. But then I also have um, seventeen ambassadors that are out there, kind of giving me feedback, helping with product development, kind of selling this on our, um, to their friends and family, uh, or it's people I know that uh, are just really, um, you know, really supportive of what I'm doing. And all those people I think of as like the team that exists now, I you know try to keep them in the loop about what we're doing. And um, from there, we kind of continue to, you know, find new avenues and new things to, to get into. We kind of glazed over on, on your sales career, which were really interesting. And you ended up managing a lot of people. What are some of the like key traits that you've learned along the way? Having just a number of people doesn't mean anything. Uh, but actually like putting them to use is a huge different things. And I think a lot of startups, especially those where you see like on college campuses, they have like ambassadors, but they don't actually do anything. So what's, what's your strategy around? Yeah. I mean, my, you know, I've always believed in the like service leadership principles, right. And, you know, I kind of approach each thing where it's like, Hey, if this is what you want to do, that's amazing. I I'm so happy you want to be a part of this. And for a lot of people, they believe this is like had such a profound change on them that they want to spread the word and they want to tell more people. Um, so it's easy in that regard, but then it's like, how do I enable you to do that? How do I enable you to be successful? What do I, what do you need from me in order to do more? And I'm there to serve them. And if I'm constantly serving them and helping them grow or helping them grow their own business, that is what, you know, that is the type of person you want on your side, right? You want to be, I, w- I want people to look at me and be like, oh, that guy's got my back instead of, oh, I work for him. Right, like, or, or like, I work for this company. It's like, no, you don't. Yeah. Right, you're working for yourself. You know what I mean? And I'm here to help you. And this company is your vehicle. So go, 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 go. And I'll help as much as I can. I'll go as fast as you can go. And uh, I'll keep, I'll keep up. Don't worry. I'll just, so, just keep going. Um, does that mean that these ambassadors, they're almost kind of like they, they're almost like affiliates at the same time? Yeah. Okay. Gotcha. Yeah. Affiliates is another tool, right? So there's mm-hmm. not every affiliate network accepts uh, uh, CBD companies, but um, there are people too that also, you know, have a presence online and utilize my affiliate okay. links and, and are able to drive sales that way. Nice. Uh, one thing that I, I meant to ask earlier that I forgot, there's a huge stigma in this industry. Did you come up against, I'm sure you have come up against that a lot, but tell us about just dealing with that stigma? I think there is like a, a paradigm shift that's happening with this, this industry and with this business. I do think that from the surface level, if you don't know much about it, if you're not really educated on it, it just looks like you know what it looked like 10 years ago, right? It's like there's no difference. And there's something to say about having a product that people you know, use to get high, for example, 
it's a different feeling, right? Not everybody likes it. Not everybody is for it. And for a lot of people, it's, it can be pretty dangerous for their own health. There is that, that, you know, layer that exists over it. But if you dig deeper, if you go, if you go down to just like one step lower and start to like understand what's happening, speak to the people that are involved in it every day. I mean, it, it's highly professional. It's, it's absolutely helping uh, a lot of different people. And they're doing whatever they can to take this out of the shadows and put it into transparent light, right? Like my a value in our business is transparency. Mm-hmm. Like I'm more than happy to talk about all the different um, components of our business because there's nothing to hide. This isn't sort of some clandestine thing that, that's going on, right? Like where I have to like, only talk about it in whispers in certain <laughs> places. Um, it's very much like it, it is a new industry. It is a new business. And it is rapidly changing, and the entire country seems to be changing their opinions of this stuff. And yep. it's sort of, um, I don't know, I, would, I personally would say, like, hey, it's about time. Uh, but at the same time, you know, I, I do think that, like, there's a time and a place for all this stuff. And, and you've got to be very, very mindful of how it's sold and who's, who's handling the money. You know, the sooner the government can create the framework for this business and for framework for this stuff, the, the better it will be, you know, it, it will not be some, you know, shoddy, like dangerous thing, um, as you would expect, uh, or, or it had, or as it had been for, for decades prior to mm-hmm. what's going on now. So walk us through then the specifics of maybe like the supply chain to production of your business. So you go to Kentucky, you meet with the farmers and that's where you source the flowers. Where do the flowers go? And then how does it get into the cream? Yeah, so there is a, a facility, it's called an extraction facility, uh, where you essentially shuck the flour off the stalk, put it into a bag, and then you combine it with ethanol uh, that's kept at a negative 60 degree temperature. And that process of, of putting it in ethanol that's at that temperature allows all the components and all the molecules to separate from the plant matter then you filter that, hmm. then you put it through this process where you evaporate all of the ethanol out of it, and then you heat it up. And that's Interesting. it. Interesting. And then you're left with the oil. Then you're left with this oil, yeah, this kind okay. of crude oil, which then that then- crude oil can then be distilled, right? So it can be distilled to be a more of like a golden oil uh, mm-hmm. where it's like further purified and further kind of um, filtered. What is the is the ethanol that you're using? Is that uh, corn based or no? Yeah. So we still need the farmers to grow the corn too. And yeah, just all sorts of course. Out. Yeah, corn yeah. is not going anywhere. I, you know, <laughs> it's just uh, maybe it'll be more more uh, profitable for for farmers going forward. So now you have this this golden oil. How does it get into the cream? Well, it, that golden oil, if you were to consume it, I mean, it would be highly concentrated it would be like you know like pure cbd and what you're normally taking like when you see on a bottle it'll say 500 milligrams 1000 milligrams right so in a in a typical bottle or in a typical um, lotion or cream or something um, you're not actually getting like pure cbd if you did i mean it'd be really (laughs) intense and when you you would only need like a you know a little speck of it what it does is you mix it with mct oil or you mix it with a different oil um, that is a very like fatty oil. Um, and since uh, it likes to kind of bind to fat lipids, okay. and so it becomes like a really great carrier oil and your body processes it easier as well. 
Uh, so that's why most of the time, like in all of my products, for example, you have CBD that's mixed with MCT oil and then it's flavored to like make it taste good. And so that MCT oil is really kind of like, it's called the carrier oil um, in order to kind of, uh, you know, digest it. And so instead yeah. of water, you're using the MCT oil. Right? What is MCT oil? Yeah. So it's uh, medium chain triglycerides. It's essentially uh, coconut oil. So okay. it's refractionated, it's called refractionated coconut oil, but it has its own kind of name to it because it, it doesn't taste like coconut, it, but it, it's like the, it's like the extract from coconut. Gotcha. Hmm. So now we need coconut farmers. Yeah. I mean, more coconuts. More <laughs> and coconuts. We, we need a lot more coconut farmers than we do hemp farmers because what, what's the proportion of like MCT oil to CBD oil? It depends on how potent the, um, the glass is, right? So the more potent it is, the higher percentage CBD, you know, the higher the ratio is. Um, mm-hmm. But for the most part, you know, you're dealing with only about, you know, a third of the bottle being like okay. true like CBD and the rest mm-hmm. of it's all MCT. Gotcha. Is there like a standard CBD oil strength? No. Ah, so it's not like vodka where it's like probably going to be 40%. CBD can be anywhere from like five to like 50% or even more. Yeah. I mean, it depends what you're using it for, right? Like mm-hmm. if you're going through chemotherapy, man, you're going to need a lot of it. You know, like you're going to want the most potent stuff you can get your hands on. You mm-hmm. know, it's, it's, that's the way, that's the way it works. So, but if you're just using it to like go to bed at night, like you don't, you don't need that really extreme stuff. You can take a more mild version, but it will over time, it kind of operates like how proof operates, you know, like, oh, this is 90 proof, this is 40 proof, this is a, you know, like, that's kind of what you're dealing with, where there's sort of, um, there's these kind of proof points that are being created. And it's typically an even number. So it's like 250, 500, 750, 1000. Uh, gotcha. And then it jumps from 1000 to 1500, and then from 1500 to 2400. Mm-hmm. And that's where 2400 is kind of the, the ceiling of this whole thing. How much of your branding and marketing is is education for the consumer for the person that doesn't know what percentage or what proof to buy do you do you use that in your branding at all uh half day you know is also the the amount of time the dosage works right so if you take it a dose will last half the day so that's there's a little education there regardless of how strong it is Typically, yeah. So like whatever you take, it'll last, you know, your body will metabolize it after half the day, like about eight hours. So yeah, I mean, it's definitely something where, you know, a lot of like the website, a lot of what I'm trying to do is trying to support that and like, you know, put a lot more information on there about what it is and how it works. I constantly have to remind myself that like not everybody understands CBD the way that I do. And so usually when I'm talking to people in person, it's the first question is like, well, explain to me your, your familiarity with CBD and you kind of understand like where they're at. Are they, are they someone who like is clueless or are they someone who uses this stuff, you know, and they, they've done their research and they're, you know, they're savvy about what they should and shouldn't do. But yeah, it's, it's all over the board. It's, there really isn't a, a consistent I don't know, acceptance or, or any mm-hmm. sort of consistent level of, of knowledge yet. Yeah. Is that something you're interested in if you created that standards body? Yeah. I mean, I, that is exactly what I'm trying to take part in. There's other organizations, especially involved in hemp, um, that are trying to create like standards. And um, there's one called the, 
the U.S. Uh, Hemp Roundtable, created the U.S. Hemp Authority. Um, and, you know, I'm, you know, gearing up for my product to follow U.S. Hemp Authority's standards in terms cool. of products. That's awesome. So you talked about um, uh, medical marijuana, right? Uh, but you, you only kind of briefly glanced over it. Is it. So what's the difference then between like the medical CBD versus like medical marijuana? Like the, the THC versus CBD, like what is the... Is there anything else that THC does that the CBD plant like or CBD like chemical doesn't do? Yeah. So another way to look at it is, you know, if you're in the uh, medical marijuana business, you're in the business of like licensing, right? Like you have a license, you have a dispensary, you have like all these very specific things and they only give out so many of those. And it's very much like controlled by a small group of people in CBD world. It's, it's almost like it's something that is kind of widely available and just can be like distributed anywhere. So, you know, Hey, like you can get it anywhere and it's more like a consumer product goods business. Right now what's interesting about like the THC component is, you know, in a full spectrum oil, there will be less than 0.3% THC. Right. So in mine, for example, it's 0.1%. Right now, there's people, it, it, you know, there's nothing clinically that's like, um, you know, there's no like major like branded like, you know, five-year study that's been done on this. But there's, a lot of people swear by what's called the entourage effect. For example, in a full spectrum oil, like there's CBD in it, but there's also these subsets of CBD, right? So there's, it's called CBN, CBG, CBGA, right? Like there's all these different like aspects of it. And what they found is that in a hemp plant, there's actually as many as 180 cannabinoids. And THC and CBD are just two of them, right? So there's 178 other components in this plant. But if you were to look at it, CBD and THC are the ones that are really, really high, while everything else stays at like a very minuscule level. And Mm -hmm. There's people that swear by like CBD in its isolated form does something, right? Where you just take CBD. But if you took all 180 of the cannabinoids together, they interact with each other. And it creates this effect where each part of it is like an important part of the chain. And that THC is a part of that group, right? It's not something you want to exclude uh, if you're trying to go for that Mm -hmm. entourage effect feeling. Um, now the dispensaries will carry CBD products, but you'll look at it and it'll be like, yeah, this is 30% CBD and then it'll be 40% THC. That's a lot different than what I, than what I'm, uh, promoting. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) however, the combination of the two does provide a different sort of, uh, physiological response, right? Like your body Mm -hmm. will feel different by consuming mm-hmm. CBD with THC at those levels um, mm-hmm. versus not, right? So it's it's not an exact science at this point. Um, however, there is just sort of these, these anecdotes and these cases and these people that have been using it for years now that just swear by it. Uh, and there's something to it. It, it. I can't wait until, you know, all this stuff becomes scientifically proven. I can't wait for the, when it's like official, like the naming convention for all the like, you know, CBD A and G and then G1 or whatever. 
um, because it'll be like the same thing as the vitamins, but hopefully they plan it out really well so that it's not, you know, B1, B2, B something. And then they just kind of like stop, you know, there's like big gaps. Like hopefully they think this one out a lot, a little better, but. Well, think about it. What uh, if, what if like, uh, you know, in normal things like CB, like take CBG, right. For mm-hmm. example, this is like one of like the most like hardest to find cannabinoids. Um, it's in such a small amount, but if people are normally ingesting things that are like 30% CBD, 40% like THC or, you know, or like these really high dosages, how much would it like, what, what would your body react to or what would happen in your body if CBG was at 30%? No one knows. It's never, no idea. it's never been, the plant's never so gotten up to that point before. And, there's an infinite amount of possibilities here and it's completely unexplored and no one really knows what the benefits are. Right. I mean, CBD we know is a treatment for epilepsy. What if CBG is a treatment for something else, right? It's a a profound treatment for something. um, And we just don't know what it is yet. Part of so much of this, like, you know, if you you talked about the roadmap of my company, so much of what I would like to be able to do is build in a business that's, uh, you know, large enough where I can start um, sponsoring studies of these things and yep. actually be involved in pushing this forward because we might be, you know, you know, on the verge of something here. Um, and it just takes the right clinical environment, the right clinical testing and the right formulation in order for it to work correctly. Um, mm-hmm. but yeah, but you know, that's also the, that's also what pharmaceutical companies are going to be hard at work doing as well. We, we talk about CBD, um, and marijuana kind of like here in, and, you know, hemp here in America, uh, as something that's kind of like new, it's like very mainstream, uh, but that's only like a very small part of the world. Like Canada recently, you know, legalized. Um, what about the rest of the world? How does like, what's the role of CBD or marijuana in the rest of the world? And how has that been kind of being adopted? Like right now, let's say Europe or Africa or Asia or South America. Yeah. I don't know uh, about how CBD is used necessarily. I know in Europe, they're seeing similar uh, products on the shelves like that we have here Mm -hmm. in places like Africa and the Middle East. I, you know, I'm not sure. What I can tell you though, is that right now the United States prior to the 2018 farm bill imported over $3 billion worth of hemp. Wow. Wow. Right. So people have been hemp farming around the world for a long time and they never stopped. And we, you know, hemp seed, hemp oil, like hemp foods, like all that stuff, that all came from places like China uh, because it was illegal to grow it here in the United States. And so that $3 billion is going to come home uh, or at least we maybe, or, you know, as the, as the um, industry scales up. And what's great is that, you know, we're going to be able to have tighter controls on it because the stuff that's your, you know, the stuff that's done in like China, for example, you have no idea, like, what are the soil conditions, like, you know, when they did it and, you know, do they use pesticides in China? Like, maybe, you know, they, like, I, who's stopping no, them, right? Who's, yeah. Who checked it before it came well, over where, here? Where's like, the FDA over there? Yeah, right. Like, yeah. there isn't, there's nothing, right? So there's definitely, um, I think you're going to find that, like, there's going to be these standards that get put in place in the United States. And, you know, it'll be interesting because it's that hemp farming that is now going to move here so it's kind of like displacing um that business which could have Mm -hmm. an impact that's super exciting i I didn't know that 
that we uh, imported that much hemp. That's crazy. Uh, when we when we spoke on the phone a few days ago, you said shit's about to get real in April. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I would say so. I uh, yeah, I mean, I'm uh, I've now been uh, included into three distributors uh, around the country. Awesome. Yeah, which they service thousands of, of stores and locations. So my my product could be available in these thousands of stores if I continue to sell through. And I start actually forming relationships with all the different business owners in those channels. Uh, and then I'm going to be advertising on the CTA. Yes. So you're going to see the first ever CBD ad uh, be placed in uh, public transportation. And it's going to be on the all the brown line cars and all the buses that operate downtown and Lincoln Park, Wicker Park, River North. So you're just going to, it's going to be all over the place. It's interesting because I was able to get uh, the opportunity to advertise because I called up the legal team at CTA because they originally told me no. They were originally like, no, no. In the same way yeah, Google yeah. and Facebook where it's just like, yeah. no, I don't know. Like we don't know about this. But uh, I actually have a, uh, a license from the um, city of Chicago to do this. Nice. Uh, and so I showed them my license and said that there's absolutely like I've, I've jumped through every hoop imaginable in order for me to prove that this is a uh, business that's done um, you know, ethically and transparently. And then they said, okay, well, that's good enough for us. Let's do it. <laughs> so now we're going to be, I don't know, it's going to be interesting to be a part of public transportation, especially in the way that we're doing it. And then what that's going to yeah. mean to the thousands of stores that are kind of are operating and, and kind of within that, that network. So cool. You're going to get a lot of texts, I'm sure, of like senior ad, senior ad, like all the time. It'll be it'll be fun. Yeah, I would I would hope so. It's working if that's the case. Thomas is going to text you every time he sees it. Yeah, <laughs> I love it. Uh, post it. Yeah, tag it on social media where, uh, you know, Instagram's our biggest thing and you know, we're going to kind of set up a social activation along with it. So we're going to try to cool. find ways to um, play with the ad and, and use it um, where if you kind of post about it, um, you can uh, win win product or, or get discounts. So Dave, nice. talk to us a little bit about um, the supply and distribution piece of it. I know we've talked about bits and pieces of it, but what I want to specifically focus on is that Sean and I build software. And when you build a software product, oh, you know, like software, it scales up and the difference between like a thousand people on a platform and 10,000, like if you've built it to withstand that much, there's not a big difference when there's 10,000 people on it. Um, maybe if there's like a million or something, you know, you got to do some other stuff, but it's completely different because we're working with like virtual kind of things that don't exist anywhere versus you have like physical product. And so what are you are like are you scared at all like if you blow up like what are the ramifications like what how much thought goes into that because uh, this is something that we have no experience about yeah i mean a lot of thought goes into it right and um you know this is where a lot of uh distributors and companies that's where they judge you right they say okay i i like your product but tell me about mm -hmm. tell me about your distribution tell me about how you can fulfill these purchase orders right because that's the way it will work right i'll get a purchase order and i'm gonna have to I mean, they could send a purchase order in for 5,000 bottles and I'll have to deliver on that. And eventually it could get up even higher, right? And if it's national, I'm going to need multiple distribution points because otherwise it just won't be cost efficient to do so. Now, the hard part about it is that um, the, the way you would do it in a normal food business is first you would do it in a kitchen and you would do it yourself. 
And then you would find a co-packer and that co-packer would be like, Hey, let me do this for you. And that, you know, the co-packer can put it into a nice packaging. They can do everything. And then uh, from there, if co-packing works uh, well and you continue to grow, then mm-hmm. you can build out your own facility, right? Where you're going to have your own bottling machines. Mm-hmm. You're going to have your mm-hmm. own uh, packaging and labelers and all that stuff. Um, because of this kind of um, gray area that it exists in, uh, there are no co-packers uh, uh-huh. that are highly involved in CBD other than the CBD companies themselves, right? So if you're a white label CBD company, that's what you do, right? You build all this stuff. That stuff costs a fortune. I mean, the, the white label companies, it's, it's amazing how mm-hmm. much they're charging for them to kind of give you an end product. And so what I've done is I've bought all the oil in bulk directly from the farmers that I know. Right. So when I get it, I get it in barrels and then I have to put it into bottles. And I'm doing that right now in a in a commercial kitchen uh, called Kitchen Chicago. And it's where a lot of people service Whole Foods. Right. So Mm -hmm. Whole Foods is one of the primary um, avenues for this stuff. But there's also people that own food trucks, people that own um, their own kind of uh, meal kit companies are big there. Uh, so yeah, it's, you're kind of like in this like space and you're kind of sharing it's uh, kind of like all a the resources. co-working space or like a, like office space for rent, but it's a yeah, kitchen, right? It's a co-working kitchen and mm-hmm. it's inspected by the FDA all the time. And there's like protocol that you have and you need to have a license. You need to have insurance to even be there in the first place. And mm-hmm. so that's a big difference about me than some of these other kind of fly by night companies. And so I'm in this space and I have the, the elbow room to bottle and to continue to like do what I'm doing. But at some point, I'm going to have to, once a purchase order gets big enough, I'm going to have to work with someone who has the more um, streamlined um, you know, bottle filling process. And some of these people are starting to come, come around, right? Like, it's like good timing, right? They'll have my, de- you know, as the demand grows and as my ability to like do this as a client, like what I really want to do it is in Chicago, right? So it's about finding someone in Chicago, but I guarantee you whoever I'm doing it with is probably doing it for the first time. There's going to be some trial and error there. Uh, and if you are a co-packer in the city of Chicago, contact me, uh, Dave at halfdaycbd.com because I need to figure this out. Uh, it, it's going to be a big part of uh, the business going forward. Um, but if all else fails and I can't find a co-packer, then I'm going to just invest in the equipment that you would normally find at a co-packing facility. You know, bottling, labeling, these types of things. You can buy small machines that can run a few hundred to a thousand bottles um, an hour. Uh, and I'll just start building out my own facility. <laughs> that's awesome. That, that's pretty exciting. But it's good that you know that, like, that's going to happen, right? So it's on your radar already. Yeah. I mean, it's like, it's the... Um, it's the playbook on how to grow a food-based consumer product good business, right? That's what it is. This is, you know, you can almost think of it like like mm-hmm. a food um, because it's going to be consumed like a food. Um, but then we're also making things like topically as well, right? So yeah, yeah. that will have a different um, fulfillment process. So Dave, doctors love prescribing things like a lot. People love prescribing things because it's a fix to someone's like else's problem, you know? And in a lot of cases, and Sean and I learned this when we were previously like in the nutrition business. I think that's, that's when we basically first met was when we were running Nomful. And we, we learned that there's a lot of people that have these, you know, diseases that they really essentially almost brought upon themselves because their own diet. Um, and so the same thing goes for, you know, when you have like 
achy, you know, bones or something like that. There's a lot of, you know, natural exercises that if you do and take those steps forward, you can get rid of that and you don't have to use, you know, the ibuprofens or the anti-inflammatory drugs. Um, do you think that by introducing another kind of, I don't want to say like painkiller, but another kind of like crutch to help people continue living the same lifestyle that they are is helping or hurting people? Um, yeah. I mean, I don't think of it like a crutch. I guess that's where it's a little different. I think, I, I do think that um, a, a, the right treatment plan is addressing all of these things like simultaneously, right? Like if a doctor just says, hey, take two of these and you'll feel better and that's it. Like that is not a complete treatment plan. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, I'm not a, you know, I'm not a doctor. I, you know, I, I know there's a lot, a lot more that goes into it and there's a lot of time and, and a lot of, uh, a lot of differences between that. So I want to preface that by saying like, I am not a medically trained person. Um, but I do think that there needs to be, um, things that are provided that are non-addictive in nature that can address things like pain, mm-hmm. right? So nutrition is not in a quick fix a lot of the times, right? And same thing with exercise, yeah. not a quick fix. Um, but, and a lot of the, the treatments and a lot of the things that you take through a pill will create addictive, you know, consequences. Like you'll yeah. need it. Your body will start to start to crave it. And what will happen is even too, like I've learned this about CBD. So like your neuron receptors, right? So let's pretend it's like your neuron receptor medication is going to seek it out and it's going to latch on and then it's going to emit the, the medication into that neuron receptor. And it's going to create that, that effect, right? That, that pain killing effect, right? So if this is something that's like highly inflamed or like it, it needs it, it goes on here and it kind of creates that balance. Well, with met with pharmaceuticals or with certain like drugs, it'll go on and latch on and stay on. And then the next one comes and it'll latch on top of that. And that buildup is what mm-hmm. creates that, that need to take more and more of it over time because your body is not, you're not getting like a clean, uh, like emission of the medication with CBD. The reason why half day, right? So part of it is that half the day is because once it goes on, it's organic matter and your body processes it and it's gone by half the day. So it, it worked with the neuron receptor and it made it better, but it then eventually, uh, your body like naturally metabolizes it. Same thing with like, that's why you use MCT because your mm-hmm. body just naturally, naturally metabolizes it. And that's a big difference, right? Like, so that's, that's a huge difference in what you're talking about because once you're mm-hmm. dependent on these things, you're right, not good for you. You know, it's not going to address the problem that that's the root cause of the issue, but CBD can definitely mm-hmm. provide relief at the right time when you're trying to get over the hump, when you're trying to fix it with exercise, when you're trying to fix it with right, the right physical therapy, right? That's why a lot of like my customers are chiropractors. They're recommending it as part of your treatment plan. Like not only do you need adjustments, not only do you need to address the inflammation and change your diet and like do all these things and have these movements and, and do these things, but then they're saying, hey, but if it's uncontrollable and you can't sleep, try this, right? And that will definitely help. Uh, and that's what I think the, the nature of this is. That's why I, I think it's such a, a different way to approach the problem. Um, and it's also mm-hmm. super disruptive in that way as well. That's really cool. I like that answer a lot because I'm, I'm very like anti, like 
anti uh, anti inflammatory things or et cetera to be like constantly used because it doesn't make any sense. You know, it just, it helps mask the problem for a little bit, but if you're using it as approach and that's so cool that chiropractors are using it that way because they're prescribing all these extra things. And this is the extra thing to kind of help you get over that hump. Cause I have this discussion with my mom all the time too. And, and she's like, sometimes she tries to explain it to me, you need your body to have like a rest essentially so that it actually can apply the new stuff that you're trying to help it to. The science of sleep is also really important too, mm-hmm. right? If you're not getting sleep, like all it, it will create compounding problems in other areas as well. So the if you find something that is able to um, kind of give you that like sleep, that like restful sleep, when you deal with pain or you deal with anxiety, I mean that does a lot. That the, the sleep could do more for you than the CBD actually could, mm-hmm. right? In, in the long run, especially if you can like make it a part of your your diet, right? So. I definitely think it's, um, yeah, it's, it, this is definitely a, a, something that holistic mm-hmm. people support and, you know, people that are into alternative medicine, um, that highly support this because this is kind of what yep. they were getting at all the time, but now it's just becoming widely available and people are starting to get, speaking um, of sleep, I, I have this book on audible. I think it's called why we sleep or something. Have you, did have you read that before? I haven't listened to it yet. But I've heard it is, I heard it's like one of the most fascinating reads because it just basically, like someone, whoever recommended it to me said they read this book and for the rest of their life, they were just like, I'm getting eight hours of sleep minimum because now I'm convinced it's this important. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, sleep is absolutely one of the the best things you can do to restore your body and to, you know, be Mm -hmm. a highly effective and productive person. Um, And a lot of people struggle with it take like slam and melatonin every night is, is also not a, a good solution to the problem. Right. So, um, you either have to find a natural way to do it or, and you know, CBD, it's not meant to be like a, well, now you have to take CBD every night in order to do that. It's just more, you got to find your, your, your calm. You got to find like the, the right, the right way to get there. For sure. For sure. Speaking of books, um, any books you've read recently? Are you a reader that you recommend? Uh, I read all like business, like entrepreneurship marketing books for the most part. So, um, you know, you know what I, you know what I reread the other day, uh, Mm -hmm. that I, I just, I love it and, um, I should always read it, uh, every, every once in a while is steal like an artist. Oh man. It's one of our favorite books. I know you (laughs) gave it to me. I know you came to our, um, you came to one of our wine Wednesdays and, you were consistently the last guest for a few <laughs> few couple times. No one knows that that's when the prosciutto comes out too, and we'd go through it. Yeah, yeah. So. <laughs> it's the secret. <laughs> yeah. How tell us about tell us about that book? No, I think it's uh, you know with 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 CBD, there is definitely a lot of people doing the same thing, right? So it, it's uh, th- there's a really low barrier to entry into the the business Mm -hmm. right now so there's a lot of people that are kind of doing the same thing and so it's stuff like um you know it's about saying all right let's like you know let's completely like wipe the slate clean let's not follow the path let's 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 find what's good and then Mm -hmm. tweak it into our own thing right like let's do our own thing it doesn't have to be just a copy of someone else Uh, that's kind of like the notion of steal like an artist right there's creativity in it and watching a path you know, watching a path and seeing something that's successful, but then saying, all right, how do I put my own spin on it? And how do I differentiate myself? 
you you've had a really interesting career path where at, at one point I remember when we were uh, when we first met when we were at 1871 uh, you, you were working like even multiple jobs what changed then at your previous job uh, that you were like this is what I want to do and, and what are you doing differently this time around you naturally have the bug so what what happened this time yeah I mean it was, um, it kind of goes back to us saying like, it's finding something I believe in, something with a fast growing market and something that has like a, I guess, a low barrier to entry. Uh, I can kind of recognize all those things. And once I got started in it and once I started talking to people about it, it just became fun. And then once I realized I was having fun doing it, then it was like, okay, all right, well, how much money could I make if I wanted, you know, if I'm having this much fun, like we, you know, let's, let's see how much money I can make. So then it's like, then it becomes just kind of like the entrepreneurial like dilemma of like securing all the things that you mm-hmm. need. And you know, what's nice about this is the way I've done it is like, I'm starting small, right? I'm, okay. I'm going to start small. I'm bootstrapping my way. And you know, it's kind of like, um, I think like shark tank, right? When everybody walks into Shark Tank, they got this great consumer product good idea that they want to get into Bed Bath & Beyond or, or wherever they want to go with it. And uh, the what's the first question? is always like, what are your sales? Yep. How much have you made? Yeah. And then if it's not an impressive number, like no one cares. Yeah. That's my favorite part about the show is, is they ask that question and you're waiting. You're like, oh, if they say, if they say nothing, they're, they're done for. <laughs> And it's and it's always after they say how much they want for how much I yeah. believe to. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And you always like they give themselves like a three million dollar valuation and they have like, you know, thirty grand in sales. Where is this coming from? And they're like, Well, we think at the end of the year we're gonna be at a million in yeah. sales and we applied a three uh, multiple on that. And they're like, What? What are you talking about? So you know, I think what's interesting about this is that it, it is a business that can start very organically. Like, you know, I buy what I need and then I sell it. And then I take the money I make from that and I buy more. Mm-hmm. And then I, you know, you can kind of, as I, as I sell, I get more cash to buy more product. And then you just keep going mm-hmm. and you keep doubling down and you just keep going, 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 going. And that's where, uh, you know, for this, I don't need to, you know, have... Uh, you know, all this money in the bank to get started just to get my, my software working correctly. Um, it's very much just like I can start out Mm -hmm. with my own, I could be at a farmer's market selling this stuff and the money from that is going to allow me to, you know, invest online. Right. And they, you know, they, I can kind of invest in all the different Mm -hmm. channels. Um, what will be interesting is now that I'm in these distributors, if these purchase orders get really big, then I'm going to have to start financing inventory. What's, what's something you've learned along the way? that you didn't expect to ever learn about this industry or just in your own process? I mean, the science of extraction is not something I expected myself to really be into, but, you know, being in a laboratory where all this stuff is going on, like I oversimplified it, but I mean, it's some really cool chemistry. And, uh, I think that's, you know, when I'm sitting in a lab and I'm like surrounded by, you know, like, like all these like machines, I, I kind of always kind of take a step back being like, Whoa, the business just took me to a lab, right? Like, what am I doing here? Like I got a hat on, I got a mask on and I'm sitting like a scientist. Yeah. I'm like sitting next to like chemists and stuff, like talking about formulations. Right. And I don't know, that's not really what I was doing before. So that's a new, 
a new exciting world to be a part of. So you mentioned that hemp was very hardy. And so it's probably not well, is it as effective? Like, does weather conditions and et cetera affect it as much as like corn or soybeans or any other crop? Uh, or is it kind of more immune to that? Uh, because it's kind of scary now that your supply is kind of restricted to kind of, it's out of your control. Yeah. I mean, the weather has everything to do with uh, what what the yields will be on the on the product or on the hemp at least. It's agriculture, right? This is how it is. You know, corn is very resilient uh, just because it's been designed to be that way uh, mm-hmm. over over many, many years and through a lot of scientific work. The thing with hemp is that it's very fragile, like these flowers that grow on it like are very like fragile. A bad storm is not good for these things, right? And mm-hmm. they also, you have to be really manage the moisture. Like for example, you can't water them from the top. They need to be watered from the bottom because if you water them from the top, uh, it doesn't get to the root structure as much and the plant is getting all of its like nutrients from the roots. Um, and so you got to be very mindful of that. Uh, but like that's different from a flower, right? Where you kind of go around and you just kind of like, you know, go over the top of flowers. Yeah. If you're not actually like providing like irrigation at the root, um, it's going to happen. And the, uh, the plants get really wide too. So like there's also no sun under there for at one point. Um, so, you know, moisture and things build up and moisture builds on the plants. It's an art, less the science. Corn is more of a science at this point. You just mm-hmm. kind of like, there's, there's like tractors now that plant, they, that are self, uh, automated that will yeah. just go out and like plant everything for you. One technology where the drone will go out and it will measure all of the, uh, farmland. And then it will tell the tractor that drives itself what to plant and what spacing to plant and then it will do it all like exactly and uh you really can't do that with hemp yet there's no there's no like drone that tells you how how if how to efficiently plant hemp uh so it's uh yeah that stuff's all gonna come too uh that'll be exciting dave if anyone listening wants to learn more about half day or about you or wants to buy one of your products where do they go yeah go to halfdaycbd.com uh, what we typically do is set up a 30% off your first order uh, just for you to you know, encourage you to, to give this a try. Um, if you've never tried CBD before, uh, we definitely have products there that are kind of more entry level. Um, if you're someone who uses it every day and you really like what you're trying, um, I encourage you to try our full spectrum products that are um, in, the, in the higher dosage ranges because... Um, we have really, really great reviews and really, really great feedback from people that are using it all the time. Uh, so not all products are created equal. Uh, it's worth giving it a try. So yeah, halfdaycbd.com is where it's all available. Cool. Dave, thanks for being on the show. Uh, this was so awesome catching up. So thank you for teaching us today. I'll do it anytime. If you guys enjoyed this conversation with Dave, please do us a huge favor and subscribe to the podcast and share with one friend just to help spread the word and get these awesome Chicago stories out there. It would really mean a ton to us if you do that. So subscribe to the podcast. Thank you for listening. You guys rock. Have an awesome weekend.